Thanks. Hey, that's great. I love that. Uh, that's not usually the welcome I get when I walk on stage in middle school. It's like, hey, how's everybody doing? Crickets. It's awesome. And then I ask again, and like three kids who are really into it are like, yeah, great, woo. And I'm like, okay, that's the best I'm going to get. Um, but it's good to see you guys. Some of you may never have seen me before, may never have met me, and if so, I'm glad we can meet in such an intimate setting for the first time, face-to-face, -face, get to know each other. Anyway, um, but I'm usually up on the hill uh, in True North, second floor. That's where the middle school meets. Um, there, there was a line in, the song, in that last song. I wrote it down because it definitely describes... Six, seven, eight. Joy in chaos. That's uh, that's what middle school ministry is about. Um, but uh, I'm I'm excited to be here today to talk to you guys and about the Lord's Supper. Um, Lord's Supper is a big deal, right? It, it was practiced from the very beginnings of the church. Lord's Supper and baptism were things that that were in every church starting out. And there are things that, that's a through line that's carried all the way through to us. Um, it's really cool, the, the whole practice and the way it was instituted and why we do it. So we're going to talk about that today. Um, and we're going to look at a passage in 1 Corinthians where Paul breaks down what they're doing with the Lord's Supper, what it's supposed to be and what it's not supposed to be. And so we're going to talk about that um, but before we get into that, I'm just going to pray to kind of center myself a little bit, and, uh, and then we're going to jump into 1 Corinthians chapter 11, all right? So, Lord, thank you uh, for the Lord's Supper. Thank you for the fact that you wanted us to remember who you are, and Lord, that you gave us this, this, this part of our life to do that. And Lord, I just pray that as we look at the words of Paul and we break them down, Lord, that you will show us uh, what you have for us in the Lord's Supper that maybe we've missed. Lord, that you'll show us what the Lord's Supper is about that maybe we didn't understand before. And Lord, I just pray for uh, clearing our minds and helping us to focus on you. Lord, thank you for all you're doing in and through us, all you're going to do today. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so 1 Corinthians is, and 2 Corinthians too, when you read them, you realize the church at Corinth that Paul is writing to, and I, I'm not picking on middle schoolers, believe me, I love middle schoolers, but those church, that church at Corinth is a lot like, it must have been mostly middle schoolers. Because he, he's saying, I told you what to do, and then you kind of started doing this with it, like you did your own thing. And, and you keep like taking things and making them your own, which that's not the way this works. That's not the way any of this works. Paul's saying, there's a reason why we're doing it this way. And so he keeps correcting them. And so in chapter 11, he gets to uh, the Lord's Supper. And uh, so we're going to read through this. I'm going to uh, kind of stop a couple of places and amplify some things and stuff like that. But I know Mike likes when we stand up to read, so I'm going to have you guys stand up while we read this passage. And if I forget to tell you to sit down when we're done, just you, you can just sit down. And if, if standing is hard for you, there's a long, there's a pretty long passage, so I understand and God understands. It's not, it's not a big deal, all right? So here we go. Chapter 11, starting at verse 17. In the following directives, I have no praise for you, 
for your meetings do more harm than good. That's a good start, right? If you're at church, that's what you want to hear. Your meetings do more harm than good. Um, In the first place, I hear that when you come together as a church, there are divisions among you. And to some extent, I believe it. I wonder who tattled. Um, No doubt, there have to be differences among you to show which of you have God's approval. So then when you come together, it is not the Lord's Supper you eat. For when you are eating, some of you go ahead with your private suppers, and as a result, one person remains hungry and another gets drunk. Don't you have homes to eat and drink in? I love that he's so snarky about this. Don't you have homes to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God, look at that, by humiliating those who have nothing? So I think that's important. Paul's not just saying, you're enjoying yourself and other people aren't. He's saying, by doing that, you're actually humiliating the people. You're humiliating each other. It's not just that they don't get to eat. It's that you are mocking them with your excess. Uh, That's important. I think that's a through line in the Bible too. I think that's something that makes God really angry. Um, What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you? Certainly not in this matter. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way after, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread... And drink this cup, I love this line, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So then whoever eats this bread and drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. This passage is really important right here, 27, 28, 29. Everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink from the cup. For those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ eat and drink judgment on on themselves. Can I just say that passage, growing up, I grew up in a a Baptist adjacent church, all right? That passage was what the, the pastor would always lead off the Lord's Supper with. Examine yourself that you don't eat and drink unworthily, only it he, the passage he read, the way he read it, the translation said, eat and drink damnation upon yourself. Like, I was so scared to take the Lord's Supper. I was, there, was a, there were these moments of like, do I have sin that I haven't, I haven't repented of? Oh no, should I eat this? Should I do this? And I mean, it was weighed on me. And because without the context that comes earlier, he's saying, The reason you need to examine yourself is because you need to examine why you're doing this. Is this for you or is this for me? Is this for yourself or is it for God? And what's messed up is hearing that made the Lord's Supper all about me and my sin and whether I was repenting enough and whether I was good enough and whether I was worthy to take it. Not about Jesus. Isn't that crazy how that works? But that's what he's saying. So anyway, he said, that is why many among you are weak and sick and a number of you have fallen asleep. But if we were more discerning with regard to ourselves, we would not come under such judgment. Nevertheless, when we are judged in this way by the Lord, we are being disciplined so that we will not 
be finally condemned with the world. So then, my brothers and sisters, when you gather to eat, you should all eat together. Anyone who is hungry should eat something at home, so that when you meet together, it may not result in judgment. And when I come, I will give further directions. And now you can be seated. So Paul is really coming down hard on him, right? He's saying, you're not, what you're doing in calling the Lord's Supper is not the Lord's Supper. And the reason why he says it, he gives this list of reasons, but I'm going to break it down. I think there's three things that are important that are, that are like intrinsic to the Lord's Supper. Like you can't have the Lord's Supper without these things because it's, it's the nature of the meal. So look at the first one there. Um, the Lord's Supper, uh, the, oh, sorry. The Lord's Supper equalizes us. The Lord's Supper equalizes us. So it makes everybody the same. So here's the thing. The Lord's Supper is bread and wine, right? Bread and wine. And in the time of Jesus, bread and wine were what everybody had. Everybody had it, no matter how poor. So bread was really important. If you look in the Old Testament, there are rules that God gives to Israel to say, don't harvest the edges of your fields. You know, whatever you drop when you're harvesting, leave for the poor to make sure the poor had bread. It was a staple in their diet. It was something, if you didn't have anything else, you had bread, right? And even now in the Middle East, in a lot of Middle Eastern countries, if someone is eating a meal and drops bread on the ground, they'll pick it up and kiss it and eat it. Three-second rule is a thing. So, but because bread is, is life, right? Jesus calls himself bread. Like, this is a thing. Bethlehem is the house of bread. Bread is, is important, and it's everywhere. And wine was the same way. You would drink wine with every meal because water wasn't always clean to drink, wasn't always safe. And so wine, you mix wine with the water and it helps kill some bacteria and things like that. And when I talk about wine in the first century, it wasn't like wine now. It wasn't good. It was probably pretty awful. It was probably something that you choked down. There's all sorts of uh, manuscripts that talk about mixing honey with it just to be able to drink it, right? And, And the reason why they didn't understand fermentation the way we do now, so it wasn't that they had this, all this great wine, it was that wine was a necessity. Bread and wine were something that you always drank. So Jesus said, these are what I want you to eat because everybody can eat these. So the Lord's Supper equalizes us. Look at the second one there. The Lord's Supper unifies us, unifies us. In that passage it said, take it together, Right? The thing Paul's maddest about is is that they're separating it and the rich people are having one Lord's Supper and the poor people are having nothing. And and he's saying it needs to be together. Um, Taking a meal together is something that's valuable. We think about that in the Old Testament or in, in the New Testament in ancient times, but it's still valuable today. I mean, think about just a week and a half ago we had Valentine's Day and every restaurant, every nice restaurant in the place is booked out, right? Because a meal matters, and having a meal with someone is, is a connection, right? So we even call this meal that we take, the Lord's Supper, we call it communion. Because we're communing with each other, and we're focusing on God. I love that the Lord's Supper is really two of our three things, right? Love God, love people. It's this coming together as a group, as a body, and loving God by remembering what Jesus did for us. Isn't that cool? Um, 
So the Lord's Supper uh, is an equalizer, it's a unifier, and then look at, look at the last one there. The Lord's Supper focuses us, right? The Lord's Supper is a time where we, we take uh, that moment out and we think about what we're eating. See, because what we eat matters as much as why we eat, right? And, and so if it didn't, you say, oh, no, it doesn't matter. I, I, I eat anything, it doesn't matter. But if it didn't matter, if, if what we eat didn't matter, there wouldn't be any restaurants, right? There wouldn't be, we would just eat like, nutrient-rich sludge, oh, I've got enough energy for the day. <laughs> oh, I'm delicious, right? No, what we eat matters, and, and here's what's crazy. Think about this. When we think about memories, right, our memories, our strongest memory sense is smell. Some of you already knew that, but the second one is taste, and when we eat, both of those senses come into play. See, Sight is a terrible memory sense because you're seeing all the time, you're taking in all this input and all these things, and so you can't trust what you've seen. Some of you have seen that video with the guys passing the ball around, and they say, count the number of times they pass the ball, and then after you watch the video, they say, did you see the gorilla? And you go, what? And you watch the video again, and there's a gorilla that walks across in the middle of the thing, and nobody ever sees it because they're counting the ball because their eyes, like, filter it out because it doesn't matter. But when we eat, we are present with that food. We taste it, we smell it. Even holidays are all centered around, think about how our holidays are all centered around specific foods and specific things. I, I think it's crazy when I think back about memories of, of my granny. My gran used to cook Sunday dinner and sometimes she would cook spaghetti with meat sauce. It was amazing homemade, right? But what's crazy is she also had bran muffins with it. Bran muffins and spaghetti and meat sauce. And I know some of you are like, heresy. But it's the best thing. And when I eat a bran muffin that tastes even remotely like hers, all of a sudden I'm there on a Sunday after church thinking about it. And so when we eat and, and smell and, and taste, it really does cement things in memory. Isn't Jesus a genius? He tied the thing he wanted his people to remember to the strongest memory senses we have. Pretty smart, right? So what we're about to do, we're going to take the Lord's Supper together. And in a minute, they're going to come down and they're going to... Uh, bring around some trays that have these little cups. There's two cups. The bottom cup has the bread. The top cup has the juice. Sorry, no wine today, but it's, it's just as good. All right. Um, so you're going to hold on to that, though, when you get it, and then we're all going to partake together, just like Paul said. All right? So uh, if you all come, and we're going to pass out the elements.
So you can take the, the bread from the bottom. And it says that in the night he was betrayed, Jesus took the bread. He said, this is my body. Close your eyes just for a minute. Picture Jesus on the cross. That's what he's talking about. His body that was broken for you. Now let's take the bread together. And then at the end of the meal, he took the cup and he said, this is a new covenant. Not the old one, but a new one in my blood. Remember my blood when you drink it. Jesus' blood was all over Jerusalem the next day. He shed his blood for you. Think about that as we take the blood, the drink together. I love that the Lord's Supper is a moment where we focus on Jesus focus on his death, his burial, his resurrection, on his body that was broken and his blood that was shed. And some of you just now, maybe that's the first time you've taken the Lord's Supper in a church like this before. And here's what I want you to understand. Some of you are like, why don't we do this every week? Well, let me throw out two things. One, if you want to make the Lord's Supper a part of your regular church-going experience. We do Lord's Supper up in True North every month, and you're more than welcome to come up and join. But here's the cool thing. Think about the fact that all through the Old Testament, God tied eating and spirituality together. They had feasts and they had fasts. Think about Passover as a feast to celebrate what God's done. But not just that, every day the way they eat, keeping kosher, keeping these eating rules, the the rabbis used to say that keeping kosher rules turns the table into a temple because every bite is an act of worship. I, I love that. And I think that's kind of what Jesus was doing when he said the bread and the wine. He said, these are things you're going to eat every day. Remember me. Make the table a temple. So here's the live sent part of today. As you go out tomorrow, the next day, what would it look like if when your family gathers for dinner, instead of just saying grace, you take a minute and you focus on Jesus' death, on what it means to you as a people. Maybe it even, maybe you could go even farther. Maybe you have people that you work with who are also believers and you go out to lunch together and maybe when you go out to lunch, instead of like praying in the, and blessing the food, you say, hey, can we just take a minute and focus on what Jesus did for us as we eat this food? I mean, I I think the Lord's Supper was meant to be something that was part of our everyday life and part of what we share as believers. 
So here's, that's the live sent part. Take the Lord's Supper with you. Don't just leave it in here. Take it with you and make it part of it, everything you do. Let me pray for us. Lord, we come to you today thankful, thankful for your life that you laid down for us, for your blood that you shed for us, and for the fact that you told us to remember that. You didn't tell us to remember your birth, but we have big celebrations for that. This is what you wanted us to remember. This is the most important thing. This is the thing that's above everything else. And Lord, I pray that as we go out from this place, we'll remember every time we sit down to eat, we'll remember who you are. We'll, we'll take that moment to focus on your body that was broken and your blood that was shed. Lord, and that as we do that, we'll include others in that celebration, not cutting people out of a relationship with you, but bringing people in, including people instead of excluding. Lord, becoming one body and one, uh, one, one faith that's focused on who you are. Thank you for all you're doing and all you're gonna do in Jesus' name. Amen.